I'll write down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul Heather Dog Ninja Sometimes they're cat Freddy, but never the ferrets. Hey guys, welcome to episode 345 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. So Tracy, I kind of um, had said last week's show that this week we were, I was going to try to take it as easy as possible. And we were going to use uh, a lot of interviews instead of re recording episodes. And that's what we've done. And I hope you guys have been happy because Sonny and Trina's episodes that replaced Dead Time Stories and Eerie Encounters, I thought were two of the best uh, stories that we've ever had on here. Mm -hmm. uh, Trina's obviously was a tearjerker. And um, so... I thought it worked out good. It worked out really well for me. You can probably hear my voice is a little bit stronger. I've got a little bit more energy. And I think uh, probably by the end of next week, I'll be as close to back to normal as possible. I hope so, honey. With that being said, uh, same thing next week, at least for the beginning. So for Dead Time Stories and Eerie Encounters, instead of having new episodes, I've got two more awesome interviews with you guys. We're going to do Ernie... And Denise Pack, they're from Waverly Hills. They're going to tell us some Waverly stories, but they're going to tell us one of the coolest love stories you've ever heard mm -hmm. that involved the paranormal on how they met, which involves Waverly. Mm -hmm. And you're going to find uh, where both of them were in their lives, which was actually a very hard time for both of them. This, these were two people that were meant to be together. Oh, yeah. This was a great story. It really touches you. So you get to hear that one. And then we get to hear from uh, Anna Smith, whose story was featured in one of the Chicken Soup uh, for the Soul. I think it was the other Angels edition uh, years ago. But we met her at CryptidCon, and she told us a story that involves, oh man, so many range of emotions and angels and just uh, intestinal fortitude and un tragic, tragic deaths that that were all over. Um, her life but this this is an absolutely amazing it's another one where you're going to need the kleenex out so i'm just going to tell you ahead of time but that's what we got for you next wednesday and thursday and i'm hoping that um that saturday's macabre misfortune and sundays will be an all-new episode and back to normal just taking that beginning part off because like i said i can already see uh the benefits from not doing as much this week and having that little first part off so I feel good. I thank everybody for their thoughts, prayers, positive vibes, whatever you sent. Things are getting a little better every single day. I feel like I'm almost back to normal. A big shout out to Tracy for um, picking up all the slack that uh, on things that I couldn't do and being a real trooper. So, Oh, of course, baby. I love you. Got to take care of my baby. All right. So let's try to get semi back to normal. We are going to play an older Patreon episode for you guys. So most of you have not heard this. 
Uh, probably only a couple of hundred of you have heard it, but this goes back from last April, and it involves vampires and cannibals. Yummy. Yeah, it's don't a they go hand in hand? A couple of different stories. In a way? Well, some hands, as long as you don't bite the hand to feed you. Well, that's true, but, but that, that makes the cannibal part. Yeah. <laughs> right? I guess so. So anyways, that's going to be a, a fun episode you guys are going to like, but also, here's one that none of you have heard. I have got a new podcast that I have fallen in love with. It's not new. It's been around for like as long as we've been around. Uh, but Jeff Belanger, who is a very well-known paranormal author. I got a couple of his books here. And Ray Osher, who is a uh, uh, award-winning radio host and podcaster from uh, up in Massachusetts. They do a podcast called New England Legends that I discovered... Probably a month ago, and I have listened to almost every bit of the back catalog during my recovery period, because I've got a lot of time to lay around and do nothing, and absolutely love this show, and I think you guys are going to love it too, and I reached out to uh, Jeff and Ray, and they came on the show, and this was a very fun interview, so they get into some stories. You will see by the end of this uh, a chat why their show is so fun. Good. So... I want you to all go out and give it a listen, but I think uh, I think you guys will like it as much as we do. So, with that being said, uh, we do want to uh, since we are live for this part. Thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you for everything you guys, gals, and service animals do for us every single day. God bless you guys. We love you all so much, and keeping you in our prayers as always. Thank you for keeping us safe. Absolutely. All right. Also, we want to make sure that that, uh, you guys realize that times are hard for a lot of people. Uh, There are a lot of people who are struggling mentally right now. I'm going to ask each and every one of you to think hard about somebody that you may know, friend or family, that might be struggling or that you know have struggled in the past. Reach out to them and just say, hi, just seeing how you're doing. Yeah. You it have make, no yeah. idea what a difference that could make to mm-hmm. some people. Mm-hmm. Takes literally five seconds out of your day just to call. I've been thinking about you and all that stuff. And like Jerry said, it makes the world a difference to know that there is people out there um, that, you know, do care about you and worry about you and things like that. So always, Jerry and I are always here for you guys. You guys can Go to the group. They're always there 24-7 for you all. It's amazing. And, you know, just let have somebody listen to you guys. Just, if nothing else, just to listen. I want to say this about the group. I, I don't think we can ever say enough positives. But I just want to give you kind of an example without mentioning names. There is there, there, there are a couple of people in the group that are more vocal than others. That, you know, you see their names a lot. You see their posts a lot. Uh, some of it's funny, some of it's just, hey, what's going on? Some of it's polls, whatever, you know, but you get used to seeing some of the names and there's other people that are kind of a little more silent and that's cool too. Um, But because some people are so vocal, others notice when they're not as vocal. Right. And, you know, there, there is one member of our group that hadn't been as vocal over the past six, seven days. And I've had two different people reach out to me personally and say, hey, have you heard from this person? Because I haven't really really seen them say much in, in the group. 
that's love right there, guys. No, it definitely is. I mean, that just goes to show how big of a family that is. That And for, for those of you out there who are ever contemplating doing something, I'm telling you, don't. Because that right there shows that even though you might not think people notice, people would notice if you weren't there. Because they notice something as simple as you don't post on Facebook in three days. And, they, and it automatically raises their concerns. So if you think people don't care about you, you're full of crap. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Everybody worries about everybody in this group. And I can't thank you guys enough for being there and, you know, sharing your love and concern for everybody. That's what this world needs for sure. All right. And Tracy, how else can they reach out for help if they need to? You can also call a 988 that is a crisis hotline. Uh, you don't have to, it don't have to be about anything, you know, other than suicide or what you're thinking. It could yeah, be about whatever anything. is troubling you. Yeah. There's always somebody there for, um, to listen to you guys. You can also text at 741-741. Just reach out guys. We're all here for you. All right. Let's get our, uh, I almost said dinosaurs. Let's get our vampires and cannibals <laughs> on. I don't I don't think we got any dinosaur stories. You never know. You are listening to the Hillbilly Horror Stories Patreon bonus episode. Please welcome your host, Jerry and Tracy Pauly. Hey guys, welcome to the April 2022 bonus episode. Hey everybody. Tracy, tonight we're going to do a story that actually involves two individuals. And I have titled this Vampires and Cannibals. Oh. Sounds like there's some eating involved here. There will be. So you may see the title and automatically think the episode will be... um, you know, your typical vampire type story. That's not what it's going to be. It's not going to be like Dracula or any of that. These are more stories that are going to be about people who think of themselves as vampires or cannibals. Whether they are or not? Right. Okay. So technically, it may not fit into your thoughts of what a vampire is. It will fit into your thoughts of what a cannibal is. It's kind of hard to screw that one up. You ready for this first story? I reckon. It's about a gentleman by the name of Dean Ride, W-R-I-D-E. Now, Dean felt like he was becoming a vampire. Why? Because that was his intention to begin with. You see, he drank the blood of two different humans from syringes. Yuck. So, you would think, okay, well, no harm, no foul, right? He just used a syringe, and that could have been somebody just gave it to him. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But he needed to drink the blood of a third person... To make his full transition into a vampire. I don't know if he had some how-to book. Yeah. <laughs> or what he was going by. but So for the third, though, he needed a victim who was willing to give a little more than blood. And we'll get into that. Dean was a unique individual. He was really into S&M. You know what S&M is, right? Mm-hmm. His wife, on the other hand, not so much. His wife's name was Esther, by the way. In fact, Dean was a little disgruntled by his wife's lack of enthusiasm when it came to their S&M sessions. 
that's where Melanie comes in. See, Melanie could pretty much have her way with Dean. She was 100% on board with the S&M stuff. And she kind of, like, manipulated Dean a little bit. So Melanie was so jealous of Dean's wife that she wanted his wife dead. She wanted to kill her herself. Dean's wife was so depressed over this whole situation that she was suicidal. Well, Dean and Melanie saw an opportunity. So in the summer of 1996 in Winnipeg, Canada, 32-year-old Dean helped his 55-year-old wife, Esther, commit suicide. Sort of. At least that's the story that was told to police when he turned himself in three days after the murder. Wow, he turned himself in. Yes. So it turns out that the scenario was a little more demented than originally thought. Did Dean do this because he thought he was a vampire? Or was he under his mistress's power? Could be either one. Mm -hmm. Dean had forced his wife to swallow a non-lethal dose of sedatives. Like I said, they were non-lethal. So, she wasn't dying. Therefore, he just waited. He smoked a cigarette. He watched a porn video. He smoked another cigarette, because that's what you do after watching porn. Mm -hmm. Depending on what else you did. Still, Esther was still alive. So he decided to slit her wrist. That didn't work either. His wife was still hanging in there. Finally, he went on and stabbed her to death. Now we're going to fast forward to April 1998, a couple years later. We're at Dean's murder trial. Dean grinned and laughed as Dr. Stanley Yarin who, by the way, was the Director of Forensic Services at Health Sciences Center in Winnipeg. So, he was a bigwig. He knew what he was talking about. Anyway, he's basically laughing at the doctor, describing how Dean had poured chemicals on his wife in order to try to preserve her body. And then, he cut out one of her eyes because he didn't like the way it was looking at him. What a psycho. And the whole time the doctor is describing this, this Dean guy sitting there laughing and giggling. So this, this plan was somehow meant to mummify the corpse in order to keep it uh, in the apartment. Because that was his plan, was to keep the corpse in the apartment. You can tell he's not done this before. <laughs> no, he's apparently not. Oh, and we mentioned that Dean needed a little more from his third victim, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the doctor told the court that Dean giggled as he told him about eating parts of his wife's corpse. Yeah. The doctor then said that this would disgust normal people. And that's when Dean interrupted and said they shouldn't knock it until they've tried it. Okay. So there you go. Just put a little ketchup on it. You're good to go. <laughs> the doctor then said that Dean Ride was not a mentally healthy person and he didn't feel like that he could be fixed. Now, obviously, we would probably... Again, think that this person has mental health issues, obviously. And that is what caused him to think he was a vampire. But this was may not have 100% been in his control. Right. We agree that there was probably a mental issue and mm -hmm. he probably that was just his way of thinking. With that being said, Dean Rod did suffer a brain aneurysm at the age of 13. It damaged his frontal lobe. And since then, he had experienced partial paralysis epilepsy, and hallucinations. I'm sure all that fed into it. it. Sounds like it. 
Even with his medical history, the doctor said that he knew right from wrong. He mm-hmm. knew that his actions were wrong. The doctor said he knew this because Dean told him so. That he knew it was yeah. wrong. Okay. Dean was convicted of second degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison. That was it? Yeah. I mean, what more do you want? I don't know. I figured Killed he his could... wife. He tried to embalm her. He got uh, caught. Isn't first degree worse than second degree? I think first degree is like premeditated and all oh, that, which okay. I think that, that seems to me like it would be premeditated. Well, yeah. But I think because of the fact that there's some mental issues, that that's probably why it was not first degree. Well, what happened to that other heifer? I don't. I didn't see anything else about her. So, so there's, there she, was, she there, got in there and stirred all this trouble up, and she just well, but moves. there was nothing that said that she really had anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. She just didn't like the woman. Yeah. But he wanted her dead anyway, and he wanted to needed that to be able to eat some flesh and stuff to be able to become a vampire. I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Um. I don't know. Just go eat some raw cow meat. That's not the same thing. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, this isn't uh, supernatural. You don't just get to chew on something else. Gross. All right. That's very disturbing. This next story is even more disturbing. Oh, yay. And it's a little bit longer. So let's talk about David Harker. This is going to go back to the late 1990s. Now, I need you to try to picture this for me. Picture this guy. He's 24 years old, white guy, six foot five a skateboarder, and a skinhead. On his scalp, he's got two tattoos. One says subhuman, and the other says disorder. Oh. Doesn't exactly sound like the CEO of a major corporation. No, it does not. Probably I can not totally some, see him, though. Probably not somebody you'd want to see your child bring home for dinner True. in any capacity. <laughs> okay. Did I mention that he had a fascination with becoming a cannibal? I do not understand that. For years, he had told his friends that he had fantasies of being a serial killer. As a matter of fact, his two favorite movies were Henry, A Portrait of a Serial Killer, and A Clockwork Orange. Both of those movies at the time were banned in Great Britain, where he lived. Clockwork Orange is a very jacked up movie. It's very jacked up. Oh, well, it must be to be banned. It was very, well, I just remember there was a lot of... I can't remember. I, I don't want to. No, that was another movie I was thinking of. Clockwork Orange was very hard to follow. It's kind of like a very artistically done, mm-hmm. you know. It's not something like you really got a plot. It's just, just I don't know, but it's very strange. Anyways, yeah, not, not one of my favorite movies. So I saw it years and years ago and didn't care much for it. His favorite book was Cannibal Serial Killer on Cannibal Serial Killer Andre Chikatilo, better known as the Butcher of Rostov which was over in um, Russia, I believe. He was unemployed, surprised, and living in Darlington, England at the time. He was also into witchcraft and proudly displayed his satanic accessories on a silver chain around his neck. Mm-hmm. I think he found books on anything that could be bad and tried to emulate it. Yeah, That's what it sounds, sounds like. like, yeah. He once drew pictures of himself for a 14-year-old girl. The picture showed himself with devil horns, and holding a staff that was shaped like a huge penis. Hardly, you know, kind of seems inappropriate for a 14-year-old. But... Well, yes, it does. So. It sounds like uh, he was wishing. He was like giving penis pics way before the internet he was oh, around. Oh, Lord, yeah. 
All right, so what was his main ambition in life? I'm sure you're curious. According to David Harker, it was to kill somebody. That was his main ambition in life. Hmm, boy, he's a go-getter. <laughs> he also wanted to hang bodies from hooks in a deserted warehouse and mutilize them. Oh, my gosh. He put some thought into this. 16-year-old Jenny Jordan recalled he once told her that he wanted to remove the intestines from girls and bathe in them. I don't know if he meant bathe with the intestines or actually climb inside the intestines and bathe. That'd be hard to do. Well, yeah. But it's kind of like a sausage. Ew. That's how they make sausages, you know. Uh-uh. So casings are, is there intestines? No. Nope. Nope. We can stop. <laughs> but right, people I'm don't like to know how the sausage is made. I forgot. Mm-hmm. About to barf. <laughs> David Shaw told investigators that David Harker was an avowed Satan worshiper, and once he made a comment that some girls that were passing by looked pretty good, and they would look great pinned to his wall. Wow. I wonder if he used, like, I mean, to hang, you can't just pin a girl up with, like, those little push pins Mm-mm. or thumbtacks. You have to have, like... It's more like one of those things you hang up the pictures on the wall, and then when you're done with it, it removes off the wall. Yeah, I don't think 3M makes any of those that you could... <laughs> well, let's see. One to three pounds, small picture, a bigger picture, human body. No. There it is. That's the one I need by yeah. contact. Or That's sick. That is so <laughs> sick. All right. But... Even though he eagerly boasted about turning his girlfriend into a yummy casserole of sautéed thighs with macaroni and cheese, none of them took this this serious enough to contact police. Why the heck would you not contact the police on that? Well, apparently this man had a history of saying stuff like that all the time. So, most of his friends probably thought it was, you know, just him being goofy and just saying weird stuff. Well, I surely wouldn't want to be his girlfriend whether he thought he was kidding or not. Well, they probably should have taken him serious. Because when 32-year-old Julie Patterson, mother of four, disappeared in April of 1998, no one thought much of it. This is because she had a chronic history of uh, substance abuse and she used to disappear on a regular basis. In fact, her boyfriend, Alan Taylor, said that this was a regular occurrence. Well, that's sad. Sometimes she would be gone for days. This time was different, though. She'd been missing for almost a month when her partial remains were found in a garbage bag by police dogs on May 16th. Oh, man. Medical experts reported that the head and limbs had been chopped off, quote, with confident strokes. I'd imagine that means, like, really aggressively. Like with axe? I don't know, but I would I would think it would be something simple. It's not like using a surgical saw or something. Although police searched sewers, garbage dumps, and other locations, her head, legs, and arms were not found. Shortly after the woman had disappeared, David Harker started bragging about the murder in as graphic a terms as possible. He told Stephen Crane that he strangled this girl with some black tights. Now, Stephen didn't believe him, and neither did a second friend that he told. He told the friend that he killed a woman, cut her up. He even told the exact location that he dumped the body, the location where her remains were found a month later. So they didn't go to the police and tell any of that? Not yet. David Harker had a four-year-old son. Believe it or not, he's somebody's dad. Aww. His mother, Rebecca Hoyland, 
was used to his strange behavior and dark fascinations. She had seen him carve expletives in his chest with broken beer bottles. He often uh, commented to her that he would like to stretch her limbs and gouge her eyes out. So this was these were phrases and stuff that he used all the time. Okay. Obviously signs that somebody's a ticking time bomb. Well, of course, but if if this woman saw him do that with his chest, come on now. You know that he can't be... Well, I think this came out after the fact, and she wasn't with him anymore. That's probably part of the reason she wasn't with him was just some of his behavior. So when David told her that he killed Julie, cutting her up and dumped the body, she blew him off and just laughed because... She figured he's just full of crap, and that's just David being David. On another occasion, David asked a friend, Chris Bradley, to smell his hand and asked, what did it smell like? Chris guessed, a farm. David replied, nope, try a rotting corpse. I've been chopping up a rotting corpse. (laughs) I mean, are all his friends just idiots? I don't understand okay. that. I don't care how many times you joke about it. But think about this guy already and the stuff he is. Think about what the caliber of, caliber of his friends probably were. He's not exactly hanging around with bright college kids, I don't think. He's probably... And if you look, the guy was 23, 24 years old. And we've already talked about he gave a picture to a 14-year-old. Another person that made a comment was 16 years old. So, I mean, it sounds like he hung out with a very young crowd. Just by, you know, what I've already seen by the ages. And like I said, he doesn't seem like the brightest guy. He's probably not hanging around with a bunch of, you know, Rhodes scholars by any means. Anyway, so after the story starts appearing in the paper and the TV, you know, when they find the body, several of David's friends then reported this to police. So they did go to police once they found out that, hey, this is, this all now makes sense. Mm-hmm. When police confronted David... He initially denied killing anyone. Because, you know, why wouldn't you? This is the one. Everybody else you've told, but now you're not going to tell. But the search of his apartment turned up Julie's bloody tights and some other evidence. So he then told psychiatrists the entire story. Would you like to hear what happened? Not really. Okay. He met Julie when he was out drinking with... Her boyfriend, Alan Taylor. Remember, we mentioned him before. He said the one said she disappeared all the time. This was on Valentine's Day, so February. Soon, he was starting to see her behind Alan's back. So, I don't think Alan knew any of this. Because when he mentioned the police, he, he didn't bring it up. Right. On the day of the murder, they had been drinking cider at the park before going back to David's apartment. David said that he had no intent on killing Julie. But he was having sex with her, and he got bored and decided to strangle her with her tights. And we've all been there. (laughs) Then, he was very excited by this. So much so that he decided to have sex with her corpse. That's the first I've ever seen where somebody had somebody alive there and was bored, but then was excited to have sex when when they were dead. Yeah. Within the same time frame. Mm Mm-hmm. He must have worked up an appetite, dismembering all of that flesh and stuff with that knife and a hacksaw, which is what he used, because he fried up a few chunks of her thighs and he mixed it with some pasta and cheese. 
Now, my my problem with this, he told somebody earlier that he sautéed the thighs, and now they're saying he fried it. So I don't know if he used some kind of batter or if it was just butter, which case would be sautéed and not fried. Are you serious right now? Well, that's what happened, yeah. He said he told police he fried it. Well, you just go on with his stupid story, because it's making me upset. He ate this before passing out for the night. Oh, and the rest of the mutilated corpse, in case you're curious, he tossed neatly in a corner of his room as he went to bed. The next day, he put the head, the legs, the arms in plastic bags, and he set them out for the trash collector. He then put the torso in a bag, and he dropped it off a mile from his apartment, which is where they found it. Doctors asked him his impression of Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs. His response was, people like me don't come from films. Films come from people like me. Hmm. He then told the doctor that he had befriended a demon by the name of Quazak. He had been hearing this demon from the time he was 18 years old. And of course, the demon told him to commit this crime. David also explained in detail how he was previously, or how he had previously killed three homeless prostitutes by suffocating them with plastic bags. He also said that he killed two hobos, but police couldn't find any type of uh, facts or evidence to substantiate this story, so they dismissed it as just fantasies in his head of what, that he thought happened. Mm-hmm. So the no missing. People that he could... Apparently not, but every one of these were homeless, so I think that would be... But I imagine they probably... from the, He probably gave times and dates, and if they didn't have any bodies that turned up. Then. Yeah. Doctors listed him as an extremely dangerous individual who had showed no sign of remorse. He was also listed as top 4% of most disturbing psychopaths. Yeah, I can concur. <laughs> And I don't even have a Ph.D. Dr. David Green said that David Harker took pleasure for killing and would probably kill again. Get this. I've never heard this in my life. Even Harker's own attorney admitted that he was a, quote, grossly disturbed individual. He is intense and very dangerous psychopath. It seems... Inevitable that a life sentence must be given in a case like this. That's his own attorney. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably afraid he's going to come back and get him. Right. February 10th, 1999, Harker admitted to manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility, which basically meant Mm -hmm. he's not in full capacity of his mental strengths, basically. The judge... Justice Bennett addressed Harker from the bench. He said, you have shown no remorse, and I am satisfied that given the slightest opportunity, you would kill again. You are an evil and extremely dangerous person. He was given life with the possibility of parole after 14 years. What in the heck? Harker replied with, thank you, as he was escorted from the court by three burly guards. He was locked up in Durham Prison in a maximum security wing, as you'd expect. But get this. Because here's the twist. Where he was being held, he was just one cell away 
from Robert Maudsley. Maudsley was a 46-year-old cannibal who had killed four times. Three of those were after he was in jail. He went to jail for one, and he killed three people while he was in jail. Oh, how do you, like, you mean he killed them in their jail? In yeah, the jail? while he was in jail, he killed people that were also in jail. Oh. In 1978, in jail, he beheaded 43-year-old William Roberts with a shiv and ate his brain in prison. Now, as far as Harker, guards said that Harker often bragged about his murder and cannibalism to the other prisoners and the prison guards, and he showed no remorse. Julie Patterson's former husband, Freddie Newman, he wrote to Harker, asking where the rest of her remains were so he could give her a proper burial. First of all, he should know that the remains were thrown away. They were in the garbage, but they already said that, so I don't know why he didn't know that, or maybe that came out afterwards. Would you like to know what Harker wrote back and told him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have no inhibitions remorse or regret and care not one bit of your if your wife has a full body burial or not damn cold <laughs> it was cold <laughs> man so anyways that's our bonus episode what do you think i just it's i just can't fathom somebody being like that you know you don't hear a ton of stories about cannibalism and i literally have ran across. I could do five more of these stories with two each on cannibalism stories. Just like that. It's so gross. You know, the craziest one, it's not the craziest because it was more of a drug related deal, but that rapper, Big Lurch, I think it was in LA, he was high on PCP. This guy was like six, 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 seven, six, eight. That's why they called him Big Lurch, big guy. But he ended up strung out. Killed his girlfriend because he thought there was something inside her. So he kills her, cuts her open, basically has her guts and stuff all over him, and then he runs down the street naked with her entrails and stuff and blood all over Oh, jeez. And the cops caught him running down the street. That's a crazy story all on that its own. That is very. Do we order a damn pizza? Come on. <laughs> he did get a pizza. Pizza of that arm, piece of that leg, piece of that thigh. <laughs> That's gross. Can you imagine him talking about, you know, Talking to the other guys. Were you ass man or oh, mm-hmm. kind of a thigh man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can go for some innards. That's disgusting. So, anyways, hope you guys enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Now go have some nice dinner. Yeah, this could hit you right around dinner time. All right, guys, thank you so much. We appreciate everything you do for us. Thanks, guys. We love you. All right, we hope you enjoyed that little episode. Um, real quick housekeeping. Some of these shows have really picked up steam, the live events that we're going to be doing. So I'm excited about that. Our first one is rapidly approaching. Yeah. April 15th, Louisville, Kentucky with Ohio. Sounds great. Cannot wait. And, and this is at a place called 21st in Germantown. They, uh, they're excited about having us out there. This is a nice little bar and, and uh, restaurant. Mm-hmm. They have like pulled pork and stuff that they do on site. Yeah, it's really um, good. They don't have a, an extensive, super big um, menu, but what they have is all good. But they got some of the best burgers that you'll ever eat. Mm-hmm. They also have a huge stage. So we're excited that our first event is going to be set up in a room that's set up for bands and stuff. I mean, this is something they've redone this entire establishment. And matter of fact, we were there for an event uh, back, I think, in November. 
and they are still working on it. So mm -hmm. by the time we get through, get down there, they should be completely done. But it's going to be awesome. It seats about 60 or 70 people in there uh, because we're going to have tables and stuff. When they have bands, they move all the tables out. Right. But we want you to be able to be comfortable and sit and all that. So we're only going to be able to get about 60 people in there. And those tickets are about half sold out. Mm -hmm. So go get your tickets now for that one. The very next week, Cryptids of the Corn and Hibbley Horror Stories, we're going to be at the very haunted Post Town Elementary in Middletown, Ohio. That's right. Some people consider that um, right outside of Cincinnati. Some say it's right outside of Dayton, but it's kind of in between both of them. Not very far, but it is literally one of the most haunted places in all of Ohio. The only place that really I hear get mentioned more than that is the Ohio State Reformatory. Yeah, and that's, that's very a pretty true. And that's a pretty big one. Yeah. Uh, but this is going to be fun because you guys get to come there, actually roam around the haunted school. You can hear the rain blasting in the background. We have major storms coming through today. But you get to roam around the haunted school. We're going to have Angela Boley is going to be a special guest. She's going to come. She's a psychic artist you've seen on the page. But uh, you get to see live uh, versions of us and Cryptids of the Corn. It's going to be a blast. That, that place only seats 60, and we've already sold a bunch of those tickets. I think there's 43 tickets available for that one. So... Um, you want to jump on that real quick because those are going to sell out quick. These shows always sell out quicker when you get to the last week or two yeah. before the show. So for a month and a half out, 45 tickets is not much left. So jump on those. All the other ones are available. HillbillyHorrorStories.com. Go to the website. Get those uh, for those and then all the upcoming shows. The only one other one I'm going to mention right now is the Gatlinburg show with Tony from The Confessionals. I talked to Tony uh, day before yesterday. He is so excited for this show, and it is half sold out already. Mm -hmm. We're excited. 100 tickets available, 50 have sold out already. Yep. So it's going to be a blast. Woohoo! I do want to mention, this is kind of important, uh, the Cryptid is a Corn show at Post Town, Ele Post Town Elementary and... The show in, because uh, we haven't done very many of these, the show for Tony and us uh, so at the confessionals in Gatlinburg, and one more, the show that we're doing in uh, May at the jail with uh, Cinema, uh, Tragedy of Cinema and uh, uh, Middle-Aged and Creeped Out. All three of those shows are an all-ages show. It's going to be family-friendly. You can you can bring the kids. Yeah, so, that'd be great. Anyway, if you're looking for something to do and still be able to do something spooky with the kids... You know, say, cool. be good and, kids, and or this two is where those, you're going to yeah, end up. And two of those are in haunted locations, <laughs> oh, yeah. so inside the place. So, all right, guys, uh, let's go ahead and listen in uh, to listen into uh, Jeff and Ray from the uh, New England's Legend podcast. Sounds good. Hey, guys, you know that I am always excited to bring you. I want to say the the best and the newest podcast out there, but sometimes I stumble across one that's been around hell as long as we have. And that was the case. I ran across New England Legends podcast. Lo and behold, I, I, as I start listening, I find out it, it's Jeff Belanger, who is a, a, an author that I have like three or four of his books here in my catalog and uh, Ray Osher, who is uh, a longtime podcaster and radio host, and matter of fact, winner of the uh, prestigious Above and Beyond Award up in Massachusetts. These two make a perfect pair. 
And uh, the chemistry is absolutely amazing. The podcast is fantastic. And as soon as I got hooked on it, I went through this huge backlog of of over 280 some episodes and um, absolutely loved it. And I reached out uh, last week and uh, Jeff and Ray are gracious enough to join us with a little bit of time. Guys, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Glad to be here. So, Jeff, let me start with you. Mm-hmm. Love your your books, and you've you've got such a wide range. I mean, you've done books with with Nick Roth. You've done uh, books. One of my favorites, so good. In fact, I've got uh, two copies of it. I don't know how I did that, but I've got a uh, a hard copy and, and the paperback of the Encyclopedia of Haunted Places. And I can't tell you how many times I've used that as a starting point to say, I want to do a story on something. What can I find? And I'll, I'll look through that and I'll say, oh, here's a cool place that Jeff wrote about. And then I'll, my research will start from finding it in your book. I've also got um, a, a book called World's Most Haunted Places that you did. Then there's another book and I can't remember the name of it. And you probably won't remember because you've been involved in so many things, but I've got one book that's uh, it's basically um it's a combination of of a whole bunch of other authors that have collaborated in this book. But I, you you were in there several times on different places, but I can't remember what book that was. I tried to find it beforehand and couldn't because, like I said, I've got so many books that I, I can't keep track of all of them. But I, I really love, I love, I love the work that you do. How many books do you have out? Do you even know how many books you have out? <laughs> uh, Sixteen now. And uh, number 17 will be out later this fall. So it's, um, you know, writing a book is, um, it's it's such a huge undertaking and it doesn't pay very well. So at this point you do it because you got something to say and there's no other way to get it out. It's sort of like an exorcism, I think at this point. Um, but but thank you. Thank you for for having some of those books. And I really, I, I just am so compelled to explore these weird subjects. And like I said, sometimes the book is the the way to get it out. You've got a book on about uh, Kilimanjaro. Tell me about that one. So uh, back in 2017, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. And um, it had been sort of on my bucket list for years and years. And uh, I had lost my brother-in-law to cancer. And it was a long battle. And, you know, when, when he was dying, he was like, you know, I'm, I'm going through some weird stuff here, Jeff. And and I said, yeah. And he goes, and you're into some weird things. I said, yeah. And, uh, look at that. Look at Ray popping out his copy. Got the book right here. <laughs> Immediately to my right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it's, um, so, so it, when my brother-in-law, Chris and I got really close and then when he passed, um, it was a few months later, I was doing a charity event and, uh, at a, at a haunted place. And someone's like, Hey, we're doing this fundraiser for the leukemia and lymphoma society. We're going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And I just sort of froze. Cause I was like, Oh, raise money for cancer, do this thing to honor my brother-in-law, cross this big item off my bucket list. And so I did it. And it was just this life-changing event. Uh, it's 19,341 feet tall. It's the tallest peak in Africa. And um, it was just one of those things that got me way out of my comfort zone and turned into a book. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it's it's always good when you see somebody take on a challenge like that in tribute to somebody else that says a lot about the the person, but it also says a lot about the person that you're paying homage to. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, we, we get reminders, um, of how short and fleeting life can be sometimes, you know, and we, we lose friends, we lose loved ones, loved ones, we lose family and you go, man, oh man, 
I'm not getting any younger. And, uh, and you never know when your, your tickets is punched. You never know when you're going to get that call from the doctor saying, Hey, there's something wrong. And you thought you had a long road ahead and you don't. And so, um, I mean, I've sort of lived my life unconventionally anyway. And so, uh, you know, this is, this is one of those things where you're, you're just, um, sometimes you got to just go for it when you get the opportunity. And in contrast, I won't even walk to the mailbox for my wife to get the, uh, the mail. So you can tell how different we are. <laughs> that's yeah, a, that's right, a fair right, trade. Ray didn't come with me on that trip. No. <laughs> and, and and I know you guys don't know this because you, you, all don't, you guys don't know me personally, but you know what you just spoke of, uh, Jeff, sometimes means more at different points in your life than other times. I mean, Three weeks ago, I literally had a heart attack and during a procedure coded for two hour, or, uh, two minutes on the table and had to be brought back with CPR. And, wow. you know, I'm in recovery for that. I've, I've done very little last three weeks. Um, this interview is one of them that I wanted to get done. Wait, wait, and don't bury the lead. What happened <laughs> when you when you went out? Do you remember anything? Nothing. Absolutely. I wish I wish I had some kind of a white light story or something. Yeah. I have absolutely nothing. It's just I woke up, they told me about it, and that's as far as it went. But uh Wow. But still that's that's uh you don't get more of a wake up call than that. No, and and it's when you when you say you never know, you know, this was something that was completely unexpected. It was a, a heart attack and then a what should have been a simple procedure that they say only a half of 1%, anything goes wrong. Mine just happened to be in that half of 1%. And, uh, you know, luckily I had a great doctors and crew. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's been a tough recovery period energy wise. And they, of course they crack a bunch of ribs when they do CPR. So you got to deal with that part of it, but you're here, you know, so you can't, uh, you can't say anything, but it does give you a different perspective on, you know, how to look at stuff. And uh, I guess that's technically what perspective is. But uh, now <laughs> yeah. that I'm through spouting definitions and thesaurus. <laughs> um, so let's get back to you guys. I, I, what I'm saying, I guess what I want to say, though, is, is during the three weeks of not being able to do a whole lot, I have binged a lot of your guys' podcasts. And uh, it's it's been a, a help in my recovery. And, and I'm sure you guys have heard similar to that before, like we have. But I wanted to be able to personally say I appreciate it. So Damn, even though you didn't know you were helping, you were helping. Thank you. That's nice to hear. Ray, tell me a little bit about you. You're you're you've been in radio for a long time. You've got a radio show daily. I'm assuming right now. What what do you got going on? I do. I'm the operations manager of a little station in Milford, Massachusetts. I'm the morning guy as well, as well as wearing 20 other hats. It's a very small uh, station and a uh, small staff. So I do that. I sing in uh, in some bands. Um, I, I'm becoming a podcaster. Uh, I have another podcast as well as the one I do with Jeff and always trying to think of uh, more to do. It's It's fun. I like sitting at home and being able to do this in the comfort of my own man town here. Um, and I, I just, I hope there's a future in it. That's, that's the, like, <laughs> if I could do this for a living, this would be amazing. So Ray, you've been doing radio, what, 25 years now? More um, yeah, 25, I would say. And, uh, off and on, um, uh, but I've been in Milford for 13 years now. So this is my long time steady. But my point was, so you've had nothing but constraints on your job, right? And radio, right? You've, you've got commercial breaks. You got to hit, you got oh, yeah, sponsors, yeah, yeah. Just, you got yeah. this, you got this. And then suddenly here's, here's podcasting where it's just like, 
the field is wide open. Absolutely. Right? If you, yeah. you want it, you can swear. Uh, yeah. We don't in we our don't. podcast, but my other podcast, we do not too much. I mean, you still have to think about some things like right. audience and who's going to turn get turned off by this or that. So there's a lot of thought that goes into podcasting, but you're right. There's too many constraints in radio. When um, we when we started this, uh, you know, we we were talking about how do we put these stories together? How do we edit them? And I'm like, no, like a little dead air is okay. A little space. And yeah. like, and you're like, no, 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 no. Not for a radio guy. Not for a radio guy. <laughs> so just, just learning, you know, like this is just different. Yeah. You, you, and um, it, it, it was cool to sort of watch you relearn everything. I mean, you, you, you know, the audio, you know, the edits, yeah. you know, the cutting and all that, but, but suddenly you're like, Oh wait, rules of radio are don't apply here. Right. The space in between is welcomed because yeah. it builds tension, obviously. Sure. And instead, if you're on the radio, then it's building tension with your boss. That's <laughs> right, not, right. not for the audience. But people may not understand this about radio. If there's too much silence, literal alarms yeah. go off. Like it's, I mean, I don't mean like metaphorical ones. I'm no, like, no, burr, yeah. burr, burr, I get like, a phone call every time 30 seconds of dead air yeah. is on the station. You're, you're, the owner's getting phone calls. You're getting <laughs> automatic alerts. There's dead air. There's dead air. Fix oh, it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the, different, the uh, dramatic pause work. is not appreciated in radio. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. But I, you know, what I did take from radio was um theater of the mind and you know a, a type of showmanship that you can't see, you only hear, which lends itself beautifully to what we do. Jeff's an awesome storyteller. He comes from that background. And I come from a, an audio background. So together we were able to put this podcast together that we think is pretty special. Yeah. And, and and like you said, Jerry, you know, it means something to somebody. And that's uh and that's that's what's cool. You know, when you when you do a podcast and you know you've been doing it a long time, you know, you 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 throw this little bird up into the air and you see if if she flies, you know. And uh and and sometimes they soar. And yeah. that's really cool. It's really amazing when you you're just like, wow, I, I thought this was a good idea. But then to have other people become part of it mm. and like, oh, I, you know, we listen every week. And um, we had one one fan tell us that he bought an old, broken antique oh. radio at a, at an antique shop and he gutted it and put a Bluetooth speaker in there so he could listen to New England legends through that old radio. And I'm like, I couldn't love that anymore. That's like, really that's cool. amazing. Well, let's talk about how the podcast came to be. How, how do you guys how do you guys get together and decide, Hey, you know, I think we've got this, this, this idea for the podcast. Whose idea was it? How did you two get together on it? And, uh, and what kind of bumps in the road did you have starting out that you, you finally got ironed out? Well, so let me start by saying, so I got an email from this guy named kid Cruz (laughs) that far back (laughs) years ago, ago, which was Ray's radio name. Uh, he's like, Hey, I want to interview you for Halloween, you know? And, and I, do a lot of media around Halloween. He's so. not busy around Halloween, so I said I'll get this guy on. Yeah. On my <laughs> so, uh, so I would I would be sort of like a regular uh, guest for Ray, yeah. and then um, and then Kid Cruz became Ray Osier, and uh, and then um, so we were talking. I said, you know, I've got this idea for a podcast. I was really loving Mike Rose the way I heard it, the way he used to do it. Now he's got a long form interview show, and he's he's Mike Rose. He's amazing, but but the way he used to just tell these short stories, and I was like, there's so many weird stories. And New England Legends actually was born on television. It was born as a PBS show back in 2013. And the challenges of that um, are great. It's expensive. It's time consuming. You need permits. You need all kinds of things. The stories were unlimited, but the time and the money was not. And so I was like, man, there's so many more stories we could do 
And then I was like, huh, podcasting. I've kind of wanted to get into that. Ray new audio. And I was like, I wonder if we could just sort of produce these short stories. And Ray's like, yeah, let's try something. And so we tried it five and a half years ago. <laughs> and we're still so, trying. So long ago, every week too. Still trying. Yeah. And so it's sort of evolved from just like, like a self-challenge. Can we do this? Can we like put together a story? And then the next challenge was like, okay, can we keep doing it? And um, that's a challenge I think we still are trying to answer every single week. Yeah. Jeff does a great job though with the scripts and we're, he's never late with them. Um, we were able to tape on Tuesdays pretty, uh, consistently. Yeah. And then I edit and then we get to Thursday and it gets released. Um, I think one of the road bumps that we had was very minimal, but it was the first 40 or nah, I wouldn't say 40, 20 or 30 episodes of not being natural. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like we were reading and yep. we, we weren't, we didn't want to talk over each other, like with a laugh or it, it, that was weird. That took a little while. And I think it was your wife who said, why don't you guys laugh over each other or say Interrupt something? Interrupt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, and then it, that worked. When people are like, I love your podcast. I'm going to go back and listen to all of them. We're like, you know what? Start around, <laughs> start around 30. <laughs> Cause we're still sort of finding our legs back then. And, and it also, time. also how to tell the story, like yeah. how to like, you know, give a tease up front and sort of reveal it better. I mean, that's the kind of thing that just takes practice. And you know, you do so. It takes ten thousand hours to become an expert at something, and so you know. How many hours do we have? Not ten thousand. No, we're not at ten thousand okay. yet, but we're on our way. <laughs> and um, and you you know, you learn it as I'm sure you have. I'm sure your shows evolved quite a bit too. You know, you in the beginning, you're just it's so awkward. You're talking to no one, you know. And then one of the things we realized early on is like, oh no, we're talking to one person. Yeah, like that's one thing that was really important for us to keep in mind is that it's just, you know. Ray and Jeff and one other person. And if we stay focused on that, then um, it just feels more intimate. It feels more, you know, um, like, like you're with us. And that's what we wanted to do. Theater of the mind. You are going with us to check out some weird story that hopefully you can, you can talk about with your friends later. Be like, Oh my God, you hear about this death couch in Maine <laughs> where a vice president died and you're not supposed to sit on it. <laughs> I just love these, these weird stories. And then recently we added in after the legend where we just kind of broke down the, the, the scripted conversation that we had, but yeah. that's us. That's just us. And I think yeah. over five and a half years or even longer than that, getting to know each other, it becomes a lot easier to put out a good product within that, that podcast with, um, after the legend where we kind of know each other and we can have sure. a, a decent 20 minute conversation. The same with the, um, the extras with our Patreon patrons. We'll just open it. I get a lot of um, uh, comments about that. Just us being us. Right. Not even talking about the legends, but oh, I just love you guys talking to each other. What are we talking? We talked about swearing once. We, we did a whole, and we, there was a whole bit on it and we didn't swear. No, we, we, we just talked about swearing and but the power loved of it. it. Yeah, I know. We were like, God, that could be, that could be a podcast. <laughs> this, that's the worst part. You do somebody, it's like, oh, that could be its own podcast. We say right. that almost every single week. Yeah. That could be its own podcast. And with what time are we going to, <laughs> to make that podcast? I think what I like the most about your show, uh, besides the dynamic, like I said, you two together are great. Just like hearing you two now, just talk about whatever. I mean, it's something that's entertaining and it probably wouldn't matter if you were talking about swearing or toilet paper or whatever. <laughs> it's it's just entertaining because there's a dynamic there. Yeah. 
I love though that you guys bring to light so many stories that I've never heard of. I mean, you've covered some big ones like the Lindley Street Poltergeist, which we've covered on our show. That's a really big story. Sure. But then you guys have covered, uh, and and you'll have to forgive me because I, I can't remember the exact one, but you covered uh, uh, a murder on these little islands that are you know up there in New England. Oh, and, and um, yeah, the Smutty Nose Murders. Yes, yeah. yes, the smutty nose. And I was I had never heard of of you know that before. I never heard of the islands. I never and it it brought to light a lot of stuff. And, and you guys did a really good breakdown of the story, but it also went a very short period of time. So and who comes up with those ideas, Jeff, for the most part these days? Oh, so that's the best part, right? So this is something that happened along the way. We started doing these stories and um, in the beginning, you know, you do the big ones that lots of people have heard of because you're like, oh, I've wa wanted to tell that story. But then our audience started getting more involved and saying, hey, I live in this little town and there's this really weird rock that's supposed to be cursed. And now it's really crowdsourced, right? Mm -hmm. Like our audience writes to us with the story leads because we grew up where we grew up. We can't know everything about every little town. And the audience has gotten to be so supportive about telling us about, you know, their own little local roadside oddities and haunts and monsters and aliens and everything else. And so uh, that's the best part is that now when I'm looking for next week's story, I just start with our email and just look at like what, what's come in recently where someone's like, oh, there's, have you heard about this? And sometimes you go, no, but darn it, that's, that's next. Tell, speaking of which... I, I want to go to, I think it was your most recent episode, uh, The Ghost of Maiden's Cliff. Oh, yeah. Tell the listeners uh, just briefly a little bit about uh, the, the premise of that story. So in Camden, Maine, there's this lake, uh, Maguntacook, and there's a cliff that's 800 feet tall, but it's not a sheer face. It's sort of a stepped down one. And at the top of the cliff, there's a big white cross, 24 feet tall, tethered down to the ground. And it's been there for 130, 40 years at this point. And so you see the cross. And usually when you see a cross, it means someone died there. And that is the case with Maiden's Cliff. And so um, you, you see the cross, you know, that's for sure. And then you hear the story. There's like these lover's leap stories that you know, a bride jumped to her death uh, because she was left at the altar or whatever, or you'll see a girl walking around at the top of the cliff, or you'll see her go over and then she vanishes this, this horrific event. But then you learn uh, historically, it, something really happened. A young girl was up there. It was, uh, I believe it was 1864 uh, in early May. And she was up there and, and her hat blew off and she reached for her hat and she fell down, you know, several hundred feet to her death. And just a tragic little story and locals were so taken by it that a wealthy man put up that cross way back when. And that cross kept that little girl's uh, story, name, and even ghost alive all these years later. I mean, if the cross wasn't there, I, sh I guarantee she would have just been lost to history. And so now we've got the cross, we've got the ghost, and we've got, I mean, people have brought a plaque up there now, and it's become a thing um, and, and that's, I mean, to me, that's a big part of what a ghost is, is it's us remembering and connecting to the past. And, and the, the cross is a warning, be careful up there. People have died here. Like you can, you could literally die here. And then it prompted us a discussion, you know, Ray, when you're driving down the highway and you see a cross on the side of the road, right? You, you know, something happened there. It's something wakes, tragic. And if it's late at night, it wakes you up. Oh yeah, it? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You're thinking twice about, you know, closing your eyes for a few seconds. Yeah. Some rest. Yeah. Just passing across on the highway. You go, oh, someone died right here doing exactly what I'm doing right now. Just driving, 
you know, and, and it's a reminder that we don't always reach our destination. I think these stories are almost like a sermon from the past sometimes. Right. I was mentioning earlier, and, and when you listen to Jeff tell a story like that, that's a really brief synopsis, but you really get a sense of how good of a storyteller he is. Yeah. Now, if that was the way the entire show was, I would still love it. Yeah, but sure. you don't need me. You, uh, bye, Ray. <laughs> you, but I'm saying, but you guys mentioned earlier theater of the mind. And the way that is, is, is to hear that story on the podcast. Obviously, it's a little longer, a little more detailed. But it's done in a way to where it's almost like you're on location. I mean, you can kind of go back and it's, you know, you're you can hear the birds in the background and you're some footsteps. And it's like, hey, we're, we're up here on this hill. And you're like, hey, I see that cross up there. You really paint the picture that you're on location, but it doesn't come across to me as acting. It comes across like literally you have painted that picture that you wanted to paint. And it doesn't come across as hokey or, and I've heard, I've heard renditions of shows where they try to do it like that to where it does come across as kind of corny and hokey. Oh, you're Your guys my does, trick? does not. Yes, oh, I do. You're tell the trick. One of my tricks is volume. Like I think uh, somebody else doing that might have everything up here with our voices, but sometimes it's, it's the birds, but they're not up here. They're in the background. It seems like such a small, minimal thing, but it's not. So sometimes there's a shout, but it's not going to startle you. It's not going to, you're not going to drop your coffee because you heard it. It's subtle in the background because it's supposed to be there. So there's a lot more that goes into it than just throwing sound effects in there. The whole premise of the show is how did we get to right now? How did we get to this talking about that building being haunted? And the only way to answer that is to go back in time and and be fill there. in and be there and so we go back in time we witness it in that time we have to remind you there's no cell phones right now there's no you know um there's there's no way to, to there's no radios like we are in we're in 1864 where we took a horse to here and then we hiked up and and it's it's a sort of putting ourselves back in that place so we can connect better with the story. as it's happening as it's happening in real time in present time because that's that's what every every legend is 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 a summation of everything that happened before that so uh you can name your haunt waverly hills or or the queen mary or any uh, other number of places the reason we talk about them is because stuff happened in the past that left a mark that we still talk about and now we talk about those events through conversation so we're telling the story but it's not just telling the story it's through conversation and being there and like, being there for and, the first time seeing it for the first time it. And, and so we go through newspaper archives. We've got a bunch of old articles. When you when we have voice actors um, reading story, you know, reading the lines, those were pulled from historical documents. That's what they said. That's what the person actually said. And if, if it's like 1840, there's no audio, obviously, like of anybody. But we so we have a voice actor read the the quote right out of the paper or read the old journal entry. And because I want you to be there with us, I want you to to see it, feel it, hear it. Um, and then you you have an understanding of of okay yeah the, the legend is going to change and twist over the over the ages but we can we can go back to its roots and see how we got to this point. Guys, we are talking to uh, Jeff Belanger and Ray Alger from New England Legends podcast. I want you to go tune in today. You're going to fall in love with it like I did. I want you to leave them a nice review after you've had a chance to listen and tell them you heard about them on Hillbilly Horror Stories podcast. Jeffrey, I got a question for both of you that we'll end on. I'm not going to I'm not going to 
paint you in a corner and make you pick one. But if you had to pick a subject or two from that you guys have covered on the podcast that you would say is your favorite to cover. Ray, we'll start with you. What has been one or two of your favorite subjects that you've covered? Well, I always say Grizzly Adams because I wrote that once, the one (laughs) that I wrote. And then Jeff said, that's cute. Now we're done with that. Um, (laughs) And it's and it's local to where we live, which is kind of cool. Um, and I was able to drive by the house myself and, uh, uh, that was fun, but I, I love the nautical stories. I, you know, New England is rich on, uh, on nautical history pirates. I love those stories, which we do from time to time. Um, not just, uh, the queen Mary or, uh, the boat with all the elephants or the, the animals that died. Remember that? Oh one? yeah. That was the, uh, that was in Maine. Yeah. But when we go back yeah. to the pirates on the seas, I love that Cape Cod's just such a great area for that. So I, I enjoy those. Oh, I don't mean to tell you what you love the most, but uh, you, you've mentioned <laughs> The Conjuring House quite a bit. Oh, The Conjuring House is great. We did a live episode that were a Halloween episode, and we had some um, occurrences while we were there. Weird things happen. Yeah, weird things. And, yeah. and it was a great podcast. Walked in, walked through the house, talked to the owners at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a fun one. And uh, I should say, um, um, uh, what's her name? Lizzie Borden's house, too, because we did that as a Halloween episode. Yeah. So whenever we're actually out live, not that we're not live at these places 200 years ago, but when we're actually <laughs> live, I, I love those. Yeah. 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 That's no, I, 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 I like stories where um, there, there's definitely still something to see, you know? So, um, you know, like we did a story about a, the ghost ship uh, out of Marion, Massachusetts, the Mary Celeste. There's nothing to see. The ship's long gone. There's the, the I can tell you, like the dock isn't even there, right? I can just take you to the waterfront and be like, use your imagination. See that Dunkin' Donuts? Before there was Dunkin' Donuts, there was a dock. And anyway, but when you can still go to a place and see it, um, it, it that to me is more powerful. I love some of the roadside oddity stories we, we've talked about um, because you can go see this thing and look at it and go, why is that there? Mm-hmm. And then you, you find the story behind it. Um, but also the haunts, um, some of the UFO stories we've done, there's a a, a base in Vermont, an, an abandoned uh, Cold War era radar installation that was literally, there was 140 men up there stationed year round, just looking for nukes. Imagine that. Imagine that you're just watching a radar screen all day. And if you see a blip, it means the end of the world first. And you better call your superiors quickly so we can end their world too. And just, you know, like that was the job all day, all night. And um, and yet that radar installation was the first sighting of a UFO that went on to become one of the most famous UFO cases in the world, which was the Betty and Barney Hill uh, UFO abduction uh, case. So this was the story before the story. They saw this thing, observed it for like 18 minutes, and then it went away and they went, huh, that's the end of that. And then a couple hours later, Betty and Barney Hill were abducted, allegedly, in uh, in New Hampshire. It's it's definitely one of the uh, the more intriguing UFO stories out there. It, you're always going to go back to what the quote unquote first abduction case, and you're looking at things like that. And their story had so many different aspects to it that you know, it's just it's a uh, it's fascinating. So it's one that'll always be one of my favorite UFO stories. So sure, guys, yeah. I could talk to you all day. Literally, and if you probably didn't have recording to do, I probably would keep you on here just for the sake of it, <laughs> cut into like nine episodes or something. But um, I want to I want to give a big thank you for you guys coming on. It's been a big thrill for me because I don't care how long I'll, I'll I'll be doing this. 
you know, I, I still have people that I run across that I'm in complete awe of. And uh, that's the situation when I ran into your show. Well, and, thank you. Uh, Thanks, it's, a, it's a big Appreciate thrill that. for me to be able to talk to an, an author that I've got so many books that I've looked at that, <laughs> to be honest with you, didn't know how to pronounce your name until the podcast. <laughs> um, Good enough. <laughs> I thought it, I thought I would have assumed it was Bellinger. And then when I heard the part, I was like, oh, Belanger. I did not realize that. I felt so it's, stupid. But You know, it's been butchered my whole life. So it's my name's not Smith. You know, like I get it. It's okay. <laughs> like I don't I don't get offended. It's all good. Um, just don't call me late to dinner, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm the same way. Guys, how can everybody keep up with you if they're uh, unfamiliar with the show or they want to keep up with you on social media or listen to the podcast or watch the TV show if it's out the there? The website still. is uh, ournewenglandlegends.com. That's home base for the TV show and for the podcast. Uh, we have an app, which is amazing. And you can actually go visit every place we've visited in the past with a, a little marker that you yeah, click the marker and you'll see the, the, the directions, how to get there. The actual episode is there. If you're traveling to new England, that's a great starting point for uh, sightseers and it's free and it's free, free, free app. Yeah. Just like our uh, Facebook group is free. And our podcast is free. Podcast like it's free. They're all free. Patreon yeah. patron. We asked for three yeah. bucks, but yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah, so, and wherever you listen to podcasts, we're 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 all of them. Apple and Spotify and Pandora and Amazon and you know on Google and on and on. So um yeah, it's it's um it's it's been awesome to to be part of this. And like I said, the best part is the audience is now making the job a lot easier because they're <laughs> all sharing their stories. Awesome. So you guys, if you're in the uh, New England area or if you were at least there at one point in time and have stories, you can contribute possibly to the show. Absolutely. Hey, it was an honor being on this show. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It was a blast and, and uh, my privilege to have you on. Thanks. All right, guys, that wraps it up for this week. Thank you so much for uh, everything you do for us. And thank you for being so loyal and um, hanging with us during this uh, little period where we don't have as many new episodes out. Yeah, we appreciate you guys so much, but better things are coming, so stay tuned. Absolutely. Y'all have a blessed week.